On podcast 1880, the Honda E colon NY1, the Kia EV5, and Mazda kill off the MX30. Those stories and more stick around. Welcome to a brand new Patreon executive producer. $10 a month is what gets you executive producer level up. It gets uh, your name in the show notes at evnewsdaily.com every single day and a mention on Sundays as well. And of course, the ad free feed in your uh, Patreon dashboard. David Moore. Thank you, David. Uh, David Moore signed up a couple of days ago, so finally get round to uh, thanking David Moore for being an executive producer. How cool. Thank you. I got 779 patrons. I did mention, I think, last week I'd like to get to 200 by Christmas. That'd be so cool. You know, a couple a week here and there, and uh, that'd just be, well, it just blows me away when anyone signs up. It'd be such a cool number to get to. Uh, and it would allow me to do more things. Oh, and I do want to do more things with EV News Daily, but I can't really talk about them now because we've got a podcast to do. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for the start of the week and the last day of the month, Monday 31st of July. I'm Martin Lee and I go through every EV story, thousands a day sometimes. Well, maybe not thousands. It's into the thousands. Uh, So you don't have to. I mean, it's like a TLDR of the EV industry because you haven't got hours a day, but I can do that for you and save you time so you know what's going on. We'll start with the reviews of the Honda E. NY1. The way it's stylized, Honda have called this car. Okay. Honda do some bonkers things, by the way, often brilliantly, you know, brilliantly bonkers, like great engineering or interesting cars. This time they've gone with a slightly interesting name. Lowercase e, colon, capital N, lowercase y, numerical one. I'm, I gather I say it the E anyone. And then the next one would be the E any two. Which doesn't really work, because anyone is a word, but any two isn't a word. Anyway, apart from the odd name, I can't see, you know, my wife saying, ooh, what's that? Is that the new Honda E colon NY1? Hmm. But let's talk about the car. It's a compact crossover. So it's not, it doesn't look as big as a Model Y. I haven't got the dimensions in front of me to compare, but it's a, yeah, it's an ID4 competitor every day of the week. And at the price as well of £47,000 sterling, and I haven't got all the other different prices around the world because all I've got is the UK details here, but forty seven grand puts it firmly in Model Y territory and, uh, you know, at the top end of ID4 territory, ID5 territory. Uh, Honda's second electric car here in Europe is a, is a crossover with range and charging capabilities that does fall short than its main rivals. Uh, Reading some reviews here from Car Magazine, also Auto Express and Auto Car. They all came out today at about 8am, so I'm guessing the embargo was lifted. They went to drive the car in Norway. Car Magazine gives it a 3 out of 5 stars, which isn't great. I really want to drive this car myself because Honda can do some exceptional engineering. The little Honda E is just brilliant. Looks great, drives fantastically well, is a bit bonkers inside, and we like that. The E colon N Y1 is based on the F platform, a bespoke or, or sort of EF or ENF, I think, platform. Uh, but here's the thing about it. The battery is now confirmed to be 68.8 kilowatt hours, and I can't find anything in the official communication that's gross or net. But either way, presuming small buffers, 68.8 kilowatt hours for a WLTP range of 256. Already off the bat, that's quite a modest figure. When you think about the Hyundai Kona, well, I've got the 21 plate and mine's a couple of years old. And that's a 64 kilowatt hour battery. The new Kona is a little bit bigger. 
And in the summer, well, this time of year, when the weather's warmer and the aircon's off, and particularly if you're not doing a ton of motorway miles, 320, 325 is absolutely achievable. It'll indicate about 330 on the dash. And even at motorway speed, 65, 70, it will return over four miles a kilowatt hour. It's just a, an efficiency beast. Honda clearly haven't got access to the bits that the Koreans have got access to, because that's really bad efficiency. The vehicle features 150 kilowatt motor on the front axle, front wheel drive, not to 62 miles an hour, not to 100 kph, 7.6 seconds, and a peak charge speed of only 78 kilowatt hours. This spec is very much first Kona and first Nero spec, although actually those the first Kona, the first Nero, all those years ago, had much bigger ranges, but they did charge in the 70-somethings. Like the MG ZSCV, original one of those, charged sort of mid-70s on a really good day and then dropped down very, very quickly. So to to release an EV on a 2024 model year with you know less than 80 kilowatt charge speed, again, I think Honda have been caught a little bit with their pants down in terms of their suppliers because I just think you need to push the technology a little bit further these days. Autocar Magazine, the journalist called Sean Warwick, who reviewed the vehicle, wrote, and I quote, It might not seem particularly rapid, but Honda says it has prioritised sustained higher rates over a headline rapid charge figure with very little drop when nearing capacity, which in turn helps prevent battery deterioration and maintain range. The E. colon NY1 will go 10 to 80% in 45 minutes, is what Sean wrote in Autocar. So they're already starting to justify it and say, well, it's not got a big number, but it doesn't drop down very much. A bit like the Audi e-tron, that that does chew up the kilowatts. That's a charging beast all the way up to almost 100%. So that would imply a very big buffer, 68.8 kilowatt hours. That would imply that's the gross figure. A net could be even, that could be 10 kilowatt hour buffer on that. You could access less than 60 in this car. So if they really have been very cautious, very Japanese, very risk averse, very safe and not wanted to have any kind of battery deg or let people charge to 100% every day at home like a LFP cell would in a you know Tesla Model 3 for instance then that could be the d- decision they've made which is you know is fine but it's not setting the world alight this platform the e colon n platform will underpin 30 new EVs by 2030. I'm not sure. That must be a global figure, 30, because that's huge. The Ecolon NY1 interior is gorgeous. The little, uh, very simple uh, Audi steering wheel that looks like from the, the, the Honda E and the Civic and stuff is really beautiful. The 15-inch touchscreen is, is a big portrait display. Very Mustang Mach-E, as in almost imposing if you don't like tech, but in which case don't buy this car because it's a huge screen and it looks brilliant. Not tried it myself, but it looks great. Reviewers say very responsive on the touchscreen and a digital dash behind the steering wheel. The range starts at 45, but the highest spec you want is £47,195. That's what's going to, they say, be the one that is sold most. Standard equipment includes uh, your smartphone mirroring, keyless entry, heated front seats, parking sensors, auto wipers, dual zone climate, wireless phone charging, runs on 18s. The advanced trim adds a big panoramic sunroof, parking pilot assist, premium audio, powered tailgate, heated steering wheel as well. Despite its price and range, the Ecolon NY1 is aimed at looking to try 
people who want to try an EV, but maybe they're Honda buyers. And so there's nothing to be scared of here, really, apart from the fact that it's going to be really slow to charge but and, and quite slow to drive. The reviewers in all three magazines say it's designed for comfort, soaks up the bumps really well, very well designed in terms of engineering. They say drives wonderfully, not sporty at all, very comfortable drive, five-year warranty, five-year servicing, five-years roadside assistance. Clearly, they want to take the worry out of EV driving. Sean Carson at Auto Express wrote, One area that could be improved is the regen braking. The various levels are adjustable using the steering wheel paddles, but the system defaults back to standard after a short period of time. The only way to hold down your chosen level of regen is if you put it into sport mode. Well, that's bonkers as well. You can't set a regen level when you leave the house and then you're halfway down the road and it then defaults back to what it wants. That doesn't work. Maybe that can be fixed with an over-the-air update, which I couldn't find if this is over-the-air updatable. Um, it's full of tech, so you'd think maybe it would be, but I don't know. Lots more questions that i got about this car. Um, Honda... I've got a great reputation in terms of being an engineering company, and and they could, they could if they wanted to make a great EV. They clearly want to make some profit from the EV as well because they've not gone with any headline specs here. So all those parts have been on the shelf from their suppliers for years and years and years. Pretty slow charge speed, pretty bad efficiency, um, good screens inside, and uh, yeah, we're well, looking to find out more about that. Initial reviews weren't great. But not all vehicles are. Sometimes a vehicle grows on you, and you think, oh, no, I get it now. I, like, the ID4 did grow on me, I must admit. I wasn't blown away at the beginning, maybe coming off the software issues of the ID3, but that vehicle's really grown on me now, um, and they're, they're, they're getting it sorted. So don't want to judge too soon. Looking forward to learning more. Now let's talk about the Kia EV5. And if you were thinking, hang on a minute, the Kia EV5? It's the first I've heard of it. Uh, well, that may be because it's not really talked about because it's a Chinese-only vehicle. If you, you, know, you think, well, the part of the EV series from Kia, that should have loads of fanfare around it. And Well, it's going to be shown next month at the Chengdu Motor Show, but it is a chi- it's a car for the Chinese market, and it's going to have a really cheap starting price as well, about $40,000 US equivalent. And it is, yeah, it's part of the EV you know, EV number, as it were, EV5, EV6, etc. EV9 is the big SUV. But this doesn't use the fancy pants EGMP platform 800 volts. This uses an older 400 volt system. You know what's it's underneath the Kona and the Nero. That's all established technology. That's how you drive the price of these things down. The interior designed to create a space of coexistence. They say, and it is really nice inside. Outside, what they call the Tiger Nose Grill from Kia, and a big battery as well, 82 kilowatt hours. That's like five more than the EV6. So big battery, affordable, tons of range. That'll be 350 miles plus, you would think, with a battery that size using the existing 400-volt technology. So uh, that should be a very compelling car at a compelling price. Kia EV5, not a car that outside of China we will be able to buy. But if they did want to build it there and ship it overseas, I'm sure it would find some very happy owners outside of China now. Let's talk to the Mazda MX-30. I've spoken to people who have bought one, and they love it. They knew what they were buying. It's 124 miles on WLTP. It's 100 miles. They just scraped into not being double digits. 100 miles EPA range. And it's sold so few in America, they've cancelled it. They've killed off the MX-30, uh, where it has sold 66 
It's barely worth those Mazda engineers going to work every day to build them. Yeah, that's not great to sell 66 of the Mazda MX-30. So far this year, it's got a tiny 30, was it 30 kilowatt hour? Maybe, was it 28 in that one? I can't remember. It's such a small battery. It was such a half-arsed effort making an electric vehicle. They knew it as well. They launched the the vehicle and Mazda PR were immediately on, on the case being like, well, we intentionally gave it a small battery because that saves the planet because we didn't want to make a long range EV because that's really bad for the planet. So actually this is a great car no it wasn't it was a terrible ev but if you need to do less than 100 miles well say 50 miles when it's cold and stuff but uh if you want to mooch around do 50 60 miles a day a charger every day very slow charging it was the, the slowest charging ev on sale until the Dacia Spring came out. DC fast charging, I mean, until the Dacia Spring arrived. Until then, it was the slowest DC fast charging car you could buy. Um, but if you charge it overnight at home and you love the styling, this car looks great. The inside is really nice. Great to drive. Fun little thing. Ridiculously expensive for what you got. And uh, nobody bought one. And Mazda have gone, well, look, we tried to make an EV. Nobody bought it. We'll stop making EVs because we told you so. Mazda have been saying for years, people don't want to buy EVs. They tried to make one. Nobody bought it. And weren't they proven? Right, self-fulfilling prophecy and all that. Uh, They do make plug-in hybrids. Uh, There's some bigger cars like the CX-90, CX-70 plug-in hybrid. CX-50 is a hybrid as well. And uh, we'll see where they go next. Uh, Rotary engine range extender was often touted for the American market. Like, oh, don't worry about the short range. There's a range extender coming. Never arrived in the US market. Right, we'll take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the French saying, we're not worried about the Chinese EVs that are coming and the Ford Lightning Pro for the police forces. Those stories and more stick around. Well, if you'd like to strip out the ads and get an ad-free feed, so wherever you are listening to this podcast, uh, got an email earlier today from Ian Watty Watkins, who said, oh, you asked me where we listen to the podcast. I did recently. Always loved the name. He said, walking the dog is Ian's moment to listen to this show. Walking the dog. So whether you're in the car, at the gym, or like Ian, walking the dog. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Get your ad-free feed and uh, go to Patreon, patreon.com slash EV News Daily. That's how you you get the ad-free feed. Thank you so much to everybody that does support the podcast. Uh, right, let's talk about Tesla's Giga Shanghai breaking records with a car produced every 40 seconds. It's just mind-blowing. Giga Shanghai continues to impress with their production rate. Uh, a recent interview with a factory employee, uh, they wasn't uh, an Elon Musk announcement, wasn't scheduled, I don't think. It happened to slip out, and this employee mentioned, yeah, we make a car every 40 seconds. Didn't say whether that is a three or a Y. They make both of those at Giga Shanghai, but that is industry-leading performance figures, optimising production efficiency manufacturing new model 3 coming soon the highland edition uh, improvements in vehicle design will speed things up even more no wonder herbert deese had plenty to say about tesla coming to germany and saying to uh, everybody that well when he was running vw and he no longer is uh, to say look we have to raise our game we're nowhere near 40 seconds of vehicle and well they didn't want to hear that so <laughs> He got shuffled on. And there's a new chap who is, I'm sure, saying things that the board like to hear about, things like e-fuels and synthetic fuels. And don't worry, we can carry on burning stuff, but we'll see. Um, The video shared on Shanghai Tourism's handle uh, provides an inside look at Giga Shanghai. A production line worker explains how the robotic arms work together at stations that improve efficiency, how a double-stacked workshop arranged the production lines in a more efficient manner. And Ford 
recently talked about how they were so proud of their Ford F-150 production line at the Dearborn, Michigan plant. That was 49 seconds. It doesn't sound much, but uh, when you make millions of vehicles a year, nine seconds makes a difference. So uh, that's the best that Ford can do. Yeah, the, the F-150, a bigger vehicle, though, as well. Uh, Shanghai serves as Tesla's main export hub, serving uh, the Aussie market, Europe, Canada, Asian markets as well. And we think, although it did over 750,000 units a year, that's the official production capacity, we think they did 500,000 in the first six months of the year. So that's a million that's a million cars a year facility, isn't it? Mentioning the Ford F-150 Lightning Pro SSV now, the electric police trucks patrolling the streets. SSV is special service vehicle. America's first EV pickup built for the police. It has built-in steel intrusion plates in the backs of the seats, a reinforced instrument panel, uh, all the police equipment and the scanners and the radios and the warning lights on the roof and the heavy-duty cloth seats, uh, access for holstered officers as well. Municipalities can opt, uh, opt for the extended range battery, which then also gives you more performance, not to 60 miles an hour in less than four seconds in a police truck. That is a good day at work when you turn up to do uh, a day on the police force and they say, all right, you're driving this one today. You go, yeah, it's going to be a good day at work today. Uh, The Lightning Pro SSV is all part of Ford Pro's suite of tools, software and services. Now, I mentioned this story that the Europeans think they can withstand the Chinese coming. Often I call it the Chinese invasion sometimes. And if I ever listen back to the podcast, and I hate listening back to the podcast, (laughs) even though I, you know, I was spent 25 years on the radio and I hate listening back to myself. I'm used to my own voice now. It's okay. I've heard myself plenty, uh, but I still hate listening back. Um, When I hear myself call it the Chinese invasion, I do think, ooh. It's an aggressive term to use, isn't it? Is that the best word? French finance minister Bruno Le Maire has said that Europe's car industry will withstand the threat of the cheap Chinese imports thanks to France's new subsidy plans. They'll be paid for new EVs based on the emissions of the other producers, which will impact manufacturers from China, he says, where the industry relies on coal-powered electricity. He recently met with Chinese leaders in Beijing to discuss trade and investment and said that he wasn't concerned about the threat to Europe's automotive industry from the Chinese, which are coming. European manufacturers are, are alarmed, though, by the Chinese advances and the battery manufacturing and production lead they have. All the battery min- minerals, materials at the minute are processed in China, even if they're mined around the world. And car makers in China are selling their vehicles at much more aggressive prices than Western rivals, as the move to EV commoditizes transport and the CEO of Ford recently said that they won't be drawn into the commoditization of electric vehicles there at Ford. Now, uh, the TechCrunch article says, can we trust automakers to build an EV charging network that rivals Tesla? Talking about the recent announcement of the manufacturers coming together to build a North American charging network. They'll put the CCS and the NAX plug on those. The first one's going the ground next summer. TechCrunch says that infrastructure is unfamiliar territory for car makers, and it will be uh, remains to be seen whether they're interested in building a charging network or just a strategic move to be relevant. Well, TechCrunch is a great tech website, but I respectfully disagree. Maybe the writer of that article has never heard of Ionity, a joint venture between BMW, Mercedes, Ford, Hyundai, Group, VW through Porsche. Uh, In Europe, they have built 
hundreds. I don't know, is it over a thousand now? Ionity stations. Those car manufacturers are very invested in infrastructure. So just perhaps that article's a little bit wrong in terms of its accuracy. In North America, and it's maybe TechCrunch's US website, Probably, actually. Um, uh, so that information is relevant and, I guess, accurate. Apart from VW through Electrify America, the others haven't. But, uh, yeah, no, here in Europe, thanks a lot. But the car makers have got big knowledge about building infrastructure with the Ionity network and more. And those are good chargers. Uh, they charge uh, the 800-volt cars in, you know, less than 20 minutes for the Porsche Taycans and the Hyundais and the Kias and the, and the Audi e-tron GTs and all that kind of stuff. So I think the average, I last time I heard of Ionity, the average was... 4.5 plugs per station. Some of them are you know, 16 chargers large, the bigger ones, but I think the average about four, four or five uh, chargers per station at Ionity. Not the cheapest. I find pretty good, actually, when you can start a charge. Sometimes people get a little bit uh, tied up in circles starting an Ionity charge and, and various charging networks. Look, the easiest thing to do is get yourself an Octopus Electroverse card. <laughs> a sponsor of this podcast. That wasn't even subtle, was it? Yes, blatant mention for a sponsor. Octopus Electroverse, global public charging. Make it so simple with one app and one map. I just tap the card. It's dead easy when I start a charge on any various network. Now, a quick mention for Neo. The first showroom in the Netherlands begins its trial operations on the 8th of August. They're known as Neo Hubs, where you can turn up and have a look at the cars and talk about vehicle purchase, delivery and maintenance as well. The latest move in the Netherlands for Neo, uh, following the opening of the first Neo house in Rotterdam back on March 23rd. And that's uh, that's pretty interesting that... That investment is coming along at a bit of a pace, actually. As of the end of June, the first six months of the year, I could find the numbers that NEO had 125 NEO houses worldwide, and uh, but they're all in China. 119 of them are in China. Six of them are overseas. The NEO spaces, there's loads more of those, and uh, there's eight of those overseas. Looking forward to the first NEO hub or the neo showroom the big one uh, which will be opening in a couple of weeks time at brukellen or brukelen in netherlands sorry if i've got that massively wrong oh uh, by the way on neo also rolling out battery swap stations in europe with shell as well that went live in the netherlands recently and i uh, got plans to install loads more in europe as well and finally neo has added 29 new battery swapping stations in china in are you ready? The last week. <laughs> just the pace that the Chinese do stuff in, in EV world. It just blows me away. It's just silly. Now, uh, Neo added 95 battery swap stations in the month of July so far. And it is the last day of the month. So I think we can call it 95 now in the month, uh, bringing the total number in China to 1,638. Battery swapping, huge in China. We'll see if it works elsewhere. But whether it does or whether it doesn't, I'm just continuing to be blown away by Neo and the pace at which they're installing these swap stations all over China in every possible location. It's just really impressive. Well done, Neo. That's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, 
as mentioned. Global public charging made simple with one map and one app. The list is now far too long for me to go through. Not just Ionity, but Fastned and Mer and Genie Point and Shell Recharge and NLX and Osprey and EV Box and the Lego and Source London and B Charge and Chargey and uh, like Charge Point. There's far too many to mention. Just get yourself one card, one map and one app to rule them all and least plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance ev drivers need have a good and see tomorrow and remember there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid